Hey everybody, Matt Johnson here, the creator and director of New Frequency, welcoming you to another episode of our exciting podcast. It is Easter Sunday here on the program, and in true New Frequency fashion, we're going to bring you a horror piece called The Beatles. Introducing it with me as one of the top stars of the troupe, wonderful Mark Daniel Cade. Hello, Mark. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. Mark. Absolutely. Thanks. So, you know, in true, in true New Frequency fashion, rather than doing a family piece or a feel-good piece on Easter... Yeah, who cares? I went the other way. Let's do a piece called The Beatles. Nice, <laughs> nice. For those uh, about to experience this piece, you're in for a ride. It's a great one. And really what it the what it's about, it's about you know, kind of a man who every time he... Think of, think of it like the Hulk. Every time he gets a little emotional... Um, he uh, kind of goes to pieces a little bit. He turns into, you know, a mass of bugs, a mass of beetles. So we sort of have to, uh, we have to sort of follow his journey on trying to always keep it together. Mark, of course, is the lead in this one. So Mark, talk a little bit about that character. How did you sort of find that guy who really couldn't be very emotional in this piece? You couldn't go very far because that character, when he went too far... Oh no, here came the bugs. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, you know, that was kind of an interesting uh, in- interesting challenge on the whole thing is, right. you know, how do you how do you make it interesting and vibrant when you cannot get too emotional? Right. And uh, what I found is that tension was what helped me play the role, the tension between wanting to get emotional but not being able to and that sort right. of tension between those two is what helped me find the place and find my voice in the piece. And it's, you know, it's a beautifully written piece. And yeah. as an actor, there was a lot for me to play with. Because there was only so far that you could go in each of the scenes, as you, as the audience will hear. You could only go so far and then had to pull yourself back. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, you know, in classic New Frequency fashion... He's going to go too far. You'll have to just hear that for yourself. Yes, it's inevitable. Eventually, it's inevitable, right? Absolutely. That's, that's the way. Absolutely. Zeke K wrote this piece. He was one of our, our favorite guest writers here yeah. at the New Frequency Program. And anytime you get one of his pieces, they are so wonderfully bizarre and out there and twisted. <laughs> and twisted. Just some of your narration on describing coworkers and food and all that stuff was just so rich and vibrant and, and, and listening to it again, prepping for the show today. Yeah, yeah, it's so deliciously twisted. <laughs> it is. Hey, talk a little bit about you know how how did how, how did you come to the to the new frequency show? I remember that like there was some interesting stories of of how of how you and I came to know each other and you got cast in the troupe. Well, yeah, it was kind of bizarre the way it worked out because it it was I had a neighbor that lived a few doors down from me and That's she right. was talking about That's she right. was talking about um, a radio theater group that was coming into uh, Inception. And right. There were going to be auditions, and I think it, I think you were coming to the building to see her, and she mentioned it to me. I'm like, hey, I want in on those auditions, that's right, that's and right. I think you came to my place and actually auditioned me on the spot. Uh, well, my first audition, right, and then from that, I got to sort of be called yes. back to work with you and a bunch of other actors at one of the spaces that we would end up eventually recording right. in. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because I came over there to audition her, and she said to me. Uh, oh yeah, I have a neighbor that wants to audition for this too. And of course, I'm like, oh no, now like a neighbor's, <laughs> yeah. now like a neighbor's gonna audition. Oh yeah. no, this is gonna be dreadful. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sure, fine, let him come over right. and audition. But yeah, and then you know, who would have thought you get cast? We've been together now for over a decade wow. doing radio drama and more projects, wow. and then. 
I, I we I didn't cast her, um, and I don't even remember her name. Yeah. Oh well. See, sometimes out there in life, people things work out the way they are supposed to. Yes. I was meant to be in the apartment that night to meet you for the truth. Yes. <laughs> and when you came in, I mean, you can talk just a little bit, you know, as we close out this podcast on what it was like to work with this troupe because we really all kind of became a family. Yeah, it was, you know, it's funny because it started out as a regular sort of acting gig and an acting mm-hmm. troupe. And so that's how I looked at it at the uh, audition for you and then the callback where we were working with the other actors. But over the passage of time, we all found our voices within this new sort of creature called New Frequency. Right. The writers found their voices, they found their mm-hmm. niche, the actors found how we worked with each other, we found what our tendencies were, right. we found what worked and what didn't work. Like There was a lot of trial and error and a lot of experimentation, but the nice thing is, is over because we had many years to sort of mature this incredible creature, mm-hmm. we really ended up with this incredible thing. You know, this family, this group, it was more than a theater group. Absolutely. It became sort of like our way of life, a family. And anytime we see each other, even in town now, it's like this wonderful reunion of of all of us seeing each other. It's always been so great. Well, I think that's a perfect way for us to end. It is Easter Sunday here, so I'm sure a lot of people with with their families today. So, hey, we're going to send you out with our our new Frequency family here. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Everybody at home, enjoy this one. A great little horror story for you called The Beatles. New Frequency, a theater of the mind on the air. On the air. In three. Pretty clever. In two. Overcome by a dreadful, dreadful production. In one. New Frequency. It's like nothing I have ever experienced. You know, emotions are a tricky thing. You know, sometimes left unchecked, they can actually consume a person. And once this happens, there is no telling what those emotions will do. We'll discover more in this next tale of suspense called The Beatles. I have dreams, vivid dreams. I dream of dancing with a woman who makes me laugh a deep belly laugh. Our lithe bodies entwined, we skitter in the shadows along the dance floor as the spotlight attempts to find us, as our love has found each other. She is a perfect love and a perfect fit that would melt with no other. I dream of her smile that gives me butterflies. I don't have bad dreams. What would be the point of that? My waking life is a nightmare. You see, I have a bit of a bug problem. I'm a bank manager, a standard average job, nothing worth getting excited about. Every day is pretty much the same. I walk into work, squeeze past the swinging door to the nondescript beige offices the bank customers don't see. Outside my office, Noelle, my average-looking secretary with a roundish look about her that could easily be lost in a crowd, sat in her chair, all turned around facing the wall. And John, a young teller with a lackluster sense of humor and an obvious distaste for ironing, sat on her desk edge, also facing away. They hadn't seen me come in. They were laughing. How nice. No, no. Oh, no, you're so 
John's hand was relaxed on her pale neck, his pinky gently caressing her left slightly misshapen earlobe. But their playful postures vanished, and his hand sought cover in his trouser pocket, all for the mention of one word. Morning. Or rather because of who said it. Me. Um... I, uh... Mr. Kite, <laughs> sir, um, I was... Uh, they weren't especially bright. Uh, are you both aware of the company policy on dating co-workers? Well, oh, yes, of course. Uh, but, I mean, we are so not dating. We, are, we aren't dating? <laughs> no, we, of course we are. I'm just the rules saying. state very clearly that co-workers are forbidden from dating fellow co-workers. But, sir... And then I leaned in to make my point. So try to be a bit more subtle around the bank. Huh? huh? So you're not going to can me? Noelle jumped to her feet and planted her soft red lips on my cheek. You are the best boss ever. Mm, she wore a scent of Corsican mint. Or perhaps it was a fresh piece of gum assaulting her breath with its sweet bite. Ooh, it took all my strength to steady myself. Now, now, nothing worth getting excited about. I broke myself from her embrace and rushed into my office. Calm. Calm. No! Just stay calm. But it was too late. You see, I have a bit of a bug problem. Whenever I experience emotions of any sort, I... I go to pieces. Oh! There they go. My left leg up to my hip, it tore away and turned into a thousand beetles and crawled away. Yes, beetles. Parts of my body, my flesh, transform into beetles. These flesh-eating beetles that tear away from me their host in search of fresh flesh to consume. The more powerful the emotion, the more of my body is affected. I shut my finger in the door, my toe runs away. When my father died, I lost my head to a battalion of beetles for nigh on a month. But when tranquility returned, so did the beetles. And they crawled across the floor, up my legs and my back, climbed over one another, fumbling up my neck, and reconstituted back into my brain, skull, eyes, and scalp. <sighs> Deep breath. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Oh, here they come. Yes, yes, yes. Come back. It's put me in a peculiar position, but one that the world seems designed to accommodate. Mediocrity. I must remain calm in emotional equilibrium at all times. So, I only eat at two-star restaurants. I vote every four years for whichever candidate has the larger head. For entertainment, any sitcom is safe viewing with company. And if the rare giggle is extracted, I've got my shoes tied extra tight, and the little shiny bug will simply have to dine on his friends in my sock. Without much effort, I managed to keep the interest of the ladies at arm's length, because dating, after all, is just out of the question. Ugh, there. I've unzipped my fly to let the last of the hard crawlies find his way back to the chunk of missing flesh near my groin. Mr. Kite, come quick. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I, I should have knocked. Oh. I, you were... Mm. What were you doing? Uh, nothing worth getting excited about. Oh, what do you need? We have a problem. A small man wrapped up in raggedy clothes and tumbleweed hair topped with a sweat-stained straw hat stood at Susan's window. Now, Susan is the sweetest, most easily flummoxed teller I have. It seemed every little problem turned into a major drama around Susan. I think that's why she was so popular with the men. 
I stepped around to the customer side of the counter, putting myself between my teary-eyed teller and the irate dirty fella. Hey, hey, good fertile daughter, what do you have to hear this jerk? Susan? Like a fragile man, not a big head man. This guy is trying to withdraw a whole bunch of money. Well, that's nothing to get excited about. Hey, why go for the money out of the fish? Yeah, but I don't think... I do not think he has an account with us. A guy in the back of the line stood there holding his motorcycle helmet, getting very agitated. Now he should learn to control his emotions. This bank sucks! Yeah. Get that damn dirty muggies, now you're hey. throwing the hell out of hey. That's right. Some of us going to spend our whole day in this bank. All right, all right, all right. All right. Everyone just, just calm down. Hey, bring up fertile dollars. All right, all I think right. he's trying to rob you. Oh, don't be silly. Ah. Ooh. And that's when the gentleman threw me against the counter and pressed the ridges of a rather sharp steak knife against my throat. Money, money. No, no, no. Everyone just calm down. It's nothing worth getting excited about. Okay, then. I, I, I think he's robbing the bank. Let's just give the gentleman some money and send him on his way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 cash, Susan. No coins. Just give him cash. Now, that would have been the end of things right there, but that the fella at the end of the line let his motions run away from him, and he swung his motorcycle helmet right into the poor crook's cranium. Knocked him out cold. Can I deposit my damn check now or what? Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks. Susan, Susan, stop crying and call the police. Tears of joy, sir! All right. Tears of joy! I went back to my office, or should I say I tried. It seemed everyone wanted to stop me along the way. What did I say? You're the coolest boss ever, cool as a cucumber. Way to go, Captain. I am very proud of you, sir. Nothing worth getting excited about. And it wasn't until Linda walked into my office. Come in. Paul? Uh, Yes, Linda. She stood there, smiling. I don't think I'd ever seen that before. Her smile. Linda was always quiet, not shy, but all business. She warned me in her interview that she had her own life outside of work, and it was part of why I hired her. And she stuck to it for five years. She had always just faded off into the background. But that smile, her candy apple red lips, wet, shiny, inviting... Want to go for a drink after work? Uh, No. I mean, no thank you. Please get back to work. No? Just like that? She looked like I had just run over her dog. She who keeps to herself, breaks out of her shell, opens up and asks me for a drink. Just a drink, and I say no. Am I a monster? Yes. Yes, you'll go? Uh, No. I mean, yes, just like that. I'm sorry, but the employee handbook code of behavior explicitly forbids dating between coworkers. It was just a drink. She walked out of my office, dragging her feet. (sighs) Deep breath. Deep breath. Maybe she didn't mean it as a date. Oh, but you've made a fool out of yourself again, and you've crushed that poor, innocent girl. My heart skipped ahead. My head raced. I was actually going to call her back and tell her I'd go, as friends. But my fingers started twitching, and my mouth dried up, and my tongue faded black, hard, and sprouted little hairy legs, and it crawled out of my mouth. The next day I came into work and I found a little box neatly wrapped in orange tissue paper, tied with a bright green ribbon and topped with a bow. It was from Linda. Deep breath. Deep breath. Inside the box, tissue paper cut in wavy strips of confetti like like a thousand baby butterflies. 
and underneath a tin angel no bigger than a gumball. There on her tiny tin feet, an inscription revealed her heritage. Uh, 1900 World's Fair, Paris. <gasps> the little angel, oh, what stories it could tell. What a life of excitement, weathered and, and still smiling. I suddenly realized I was crying and my right leg, it was gone. The door, it was wide open. I, I, I hopped over, my empty pant leg flapping about. I slammed the door shut before any of the beetles could escape and dine on my staff. All right, deep breath, deep breath, get it under control. I am calm, I am calm. Okay, I'm calm. I sat down and I waited for my leg to come back. Oh, here they come now, crawling up the inside of my pants to form my knee and, and then my calf. Oh, oh, it's customary to wait for a come in after you knock. I'm sorry, I just Nothing wanted... worth getting excited about next time. My foot was still missing, but I was behind my desk and Linda would never notice. Of course, she might notice the handful of flesh-eating beetles slowly crawling her way along the linoleum floor. Did you get the present I left you? Yes, thank you. It was quite beautiful. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, I can't accept it, but we'll discuss that later. You should go. <laughs> Don't be silly. The beetles were inching closer and closer to her red open-toed pumps. I'm afraid I must insist. Close the door on your way out, please. Thanks. Fine. Then you can give it back to me tonight when you come over to my place for dinner. <laughs> I don't think you understand. The handbook expresses... Oh, yes, 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 Paul. I spent all night going over the handbook, and nowhere in there does it say anything about co-workers not sharing a home-cooked meal as friends. Damn. She had me there. And the beetles almost had her. My foot beetles were just a few feet from her plump, exposed toes. We'll discuss it later. Just go back to work. Go now. I'm not leaving this office until you say you're coming over for dinner. She looked into me with those amber eyes. I looked at the hungry beetles ready to feed on her foot. All right, now go. She stopped at the door. I think it was great yesterday. The way you kept calm, you know, under those conditions... You're a really special person. Uh, no, no, I, I'm not really. Uh, <laughs> nothing worth getting excited about. I'll see you at eight. Oh, jeez. The rest of the day was but a blur. I never realized how many clocks we had in the bank, and each one came to an anchor around my neck. It was smiling at me and taunting me as the eight o'clock hour drew near. Paul, please come in. I made a conscious effort not to breathe in through my nose. I was sure she had on perfume, possibly even vanilla, my weakness. And food, well, the food, no doubt, its scent would stir up the bugs. Do you have a cold? You're kind of breathing funny. Huh? Oh, uh, no, uh, I mean, uh, yes, a terrible cold. I, I wouldn't want you to catch it. Perhaps I should go. Oh, don't worry. I have the immune system of a hummingbird. I never get sick. Sit down. Dinner's ready. Oh, uh, uh, none for me, thanks. I, I, I brought my own. Didn't it occur to you when I invited you over for dinner that I might be providing dinner? Yes, well... I, uh, I have a very special diet, and I, I didn't want to uh, inconvenience you. Are you a vegetarian? Okay, sure. <laughs> no cheese either? Uh, sounds about right, yes. Perfect. I don't eat dead animal myself. It's a completely vegan meal. You'll love it. Vegan? Perfect. No chance of that tasting good, right? Uh, <laughs> let's do it. Let's eat your food. <laughs> I didn't know you were so funny. Neither did I. 
The bean tomato mint flavor explosion of Armenian grape leaves stuffed with rice and deep dark mushrooms set my neurons firing in every direction. <gasps> and garlic. Oh, I hadn't tasted garlic in years. The food was good. Very, very good. And this was bad. Very, very bad. What's wrong? Oh, no. I, I thought I had it under control, but something must have happened. It's like you haven't eaten in weeks. So I guess you liked it. Oh, I thought she'd seen a beetle. I, I made a mental note of my parts. It, it felt like everything was there. She was just making conversation. It's okay. Boy, I'd hate to put my hand near you when you were eating something you might really like. I might lose a finger. Uh, she smiled. You have a nice smile. You're sweet. Ooh, I felt an itch. And that's when I saw it. My pinky had faded black, sprouted little hairy legs on either side of each knuckle, and crawled across the table. I grabbed it. What was that? Oh, nothing worth getting excited about. Just a mushroom fell off my plate. Well, here, I'll throw it out for you. Oh, no, no, don't be silly. Uh, It's too good to waste. I'll just pop it in my mouth. Ooh, it tasted like finger. (laughs) It tasted like bug, and it was crawling around on my tongue and poking and chewing at my cheeks trying to get out. Well, there's plenty more where that came from if you're still hungry. Oh. No. This ought to do it. Mm. I took a deep breath and I felt the beetle turn back into my severed finger. I covered my forefinger hand with the other and brought it up to my mouth making an excuse because she was watching me like a hawk. Is everything all right? Oh. Little piece stuck in my tooth. Oh, I'll just get you some floss. I felt my finger reattach itself, and I, I tried not to look at the chewed-up mess I'd made of it. Well, I guess I better be going. Thanks for dinner. Uh, but... I'll see you at work. That night, my bed was covered in beetles. For almost a week, I managed to avoid being alone with Linda... I made sure to lock my office door when I was working. I figured if I didn't talk to her, I could pretend I hadn't had the most wonderful night. After all, what had happened? She made me dinner. Nothing worth getting excited about, right? Good night, Mr. Kite. You want me to turn out the lights? Uh, Sure, Noelle. Wait, did Linda go home yet? Yep. See you Monday. I was all alone, or so I thought. And then I stepped into the darkened bank lobby. I just wanted to talk to you alone. It was Linda. She was standing in the shadows. Uh, All right, we can talk. But we're not alone. And that's when I saw him. (laughs) The man (laughs) who tried to rob the bank last week. The police must have just let him go or something. Or maybe he escaped. (laughs) He slowly pushed her from the shadow into the cloud of moonlight near the center of the lobby. And he was holding a steak knife to her throat. Nothing worth getting excited about. I'd never been filled with so much rage. My intestines twisted, my blood boiled and bubbled, stinging the back of my throat until I exploded. The next morning, I woke with my face hot catching the firelight of the sun through the stained glass window. I lay in a puddle of sweat in the bank lobby. Linda and the bank robber were gone. I called in sick the next two days, and I checked with Noelle. Linda had come into work and said nothing, except she was asking to see me. So at least I hadn't eaten her. That was good. 
But there was no news of the crook. Had Linda run away before my beetles had chewed away his flesh and bone? I thought I'd never know. And then I started getting the messages. Paul, please, we have to talk. This is the tenth message. Call me. Or come by, please. Oh, it got so every time the phone rang, half my body would run off. My nerves were shot. I had to talk to her, if only to get it over with. It was night when I arrived at her house. Come in. I want to show you something. Uh, a surveillance tape from the bank from that night. I, I, I can explain. I can't explain. I, it took all my concentration just to stay calm, just to hold back the bugs. No, this way. I've, I've tried to find a cure to be normal, but it's no hope. There is no hope. I, I... And she put her soft finger to my lips. Shh. She opened her closet door. Look familiar? The bank robber. What is the bank robber doing tied up in your closet? We don't want him telling, do we? Telling what? About you? Your gift? Oh, oh that. Well, I, I'd hardly call that a gift. Well, it is. You just need to learn how to control it. I do. I stay calm. Well, that sounds like they're controlling you. Don't worry. I'll teach you. You? I have a gift, too. She leaned over and slipped the gag from around the man's mouth. Uh, no. No, please. No. I like to listen to their screams. And with that, she slipped her dress off her shoulders, and by the time the gossamer fabric landed in a pile on the floor, her beautiful naked body tore into a thousand... butterflies. Flapping. They descended onto the man, eating away his flesh, bit by itchy little bit. A single butterfly whispered in my ear, Join me. And I did. My beetles crawled in and amongst her butterflies, feeding. I found a strange piece, but I didn't turn back into flesh. Oh, not yet. I had no idea how hungry I was. Hungry for flesh. Hungry for comfort. Hungry for love. This was something worth getting excited about. Signing off in three, two, one.